Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon and game masters on this plane of existence. If you'd like to help support the show, check out my link tree or my show notes for affiliate links. Affiliate links are a great way to buy the stuff that you're already going to buy for your gaming group and help support the show at the same time. Also, if you prefer to watch the show on YouTube and see me chatting with my guests in person on video, check out How Not to DM on YouTube. The episodes can be found on the T4C YouTube channel. Check out my episode notes or my link tree and make sure to subscribe and tell your friends about the new format. Also, the holidays are approaching fast and you probably still haven't gotten some people in your life a gift yet. So now is the time. If you've got a nerdy or geeky friend or family member, check out adventuredice.ca. Adventure Dice is doing pre-orders on their Dice Advent calendars right now. Dice Advent calendars are calendars that have dice in each little cubby hole that you can open up during the days of the winter holiday that you celebrate or that your friends celebrate. They've got different levels of dice calendars from 20 bucks all the way up to 200 bucks. So no matter what holiday your friends celebrate or what your budget is, they have something for you. Go to adventuredice.ca and use the code HN at the number 2DM to get 10% off your order. So go pre-order those advent calendars now and make sure that they get to your friends and family in time for the holidays. And now it's time for this week's guest intro. RPG Match has been hard at work over the last couple years creating a place for TTRPG players of all kinds to link up with people who are interested in the same games and the same gaming style. They're also working on creating a place for the TTRPG folks to communicate, promote, and chat about whatever is on their mind. Enjoy. So I was in preschool and there was a monster manual uh, that somehow was stuck into the, the, the bookshelves. And so I, I pulled it off the shelf and I, I couldn't even really read. I remember being confused about some of this stuff, but I just fell in love with the monsters and, you know, there were numbers and monsters. I was like, this is great. I didn't play until third grade. And I think it was like the, the red box, something like that. My third grade teacher had one of those. And I just, uh, I, I was like, can I take this home? And I think that what I did actually before there was even a word for it was like solo play. So like <laughs> I would just sit there and I would be like, well, I guess I find the magic sword that's hiding in the box. You know, I wander around and then I find it. So I did that. Then I actually got some friends and we played together and I got a dungeon master and that was great. And so I played, you know, through elementary school, junior high, college, and then kind of fell out of it, you know, when I had kids and my kids got too, my, my daughter got too old to actually, for me to wander away with her and then, you know, rock her to sleep, you know, as I was, I was like, Hey, would you roll some dice for me? That was kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, it, and she's 21 now. So I got back into it actually during the pandemic. So I am a little bit of a trope, right? Kind of old school. I fell out of it around 3.5. That was sort of the version. Touched on it, fourth edition, all Dungeons and Dragons, right? And uh, although I played other games too, I played Vampire, played Call of Cthulhu. I did a bunch of really experimental stuff in terms of, you know, like live action role play. I got got into that, Mage the Ascension, you know, all, all of that sort of thing. But I stopped and I didn't play for, I think it was about 14 years. And then 2020 happened. 
you know, I'm sitting around just looking at my kids, you know, like you need to get off your computers. I'm going to run a a D&D game for you. So I ran a game for my, my son and daughter, which was a ton of fun. Then ended up running a game for my son and his 12 year old friends at the time. And that was actually a lot of fun. But I was like, you know what? I would really love to play with some adults. And my wife was like, nope, <laughs> not me. So I was like, okay, well, how am I going to do this? I said, you know, I'll, I'll just jump on the internet and find the application that I'm sure the internet has built by now that uh. is you know, doing matchmaking because, you know, I've had car ca- crash games in the past and, and I'm too old for that now. So I tried to find it and it didn't exist. So I said, okay, well, I can do software. I'll just build it. And then I was like, I'll just ask the right questions. And I was like, what are the right questions? So that actually was my, that was my Twitter origin story, my TTRPG Twitter origin story. I hopped on there and started uh, asking polls and questions, trying to find out what the right uh, divide is. Yeah, yeah. And thus RPG Match was born. That makes sense. And we'll jump into kind of more of like the the nitty gritty, like why and and that kind of stuff um, in the second half. But yeah, all the pieces are coming together. (laughs) so was the game you ran for your kids the first game you ever ran or had you run games in the past and you were already kind of comfortable with it you know tell us about that i wasn't a quite a forever dm growing up but it was it's always this this group where everybody gets together and like who's going to dm and everybody else steps back and i just didn't have the habit of, of stepping back and so i was often the dm you know, but I played with some friends where we would kind of rotate through. We got some different styles. So no, by the time I ran the game for my kids, I had done it before, but I hadn't run 5e. Right. So that was kind of a whole thing of, of picking that up. And that actually got me involved in the podcast scene because I was like, you know, I need to find some examples of, you know, how, how does this work? I understood basically the mechanics, but it was great. And I found some fantastic podcasts, some great actual plays that really kind of Help me find the rhythm for 5e. And that was super helpful when I was getting back into it. As someone who learned to play from podcasts as well, I, I mean, I feel like that's a very popular way to, to learn is to watch other people do it and, and kind of pick up from their hints. And really, the reason why I started this show was to talk to the people who are running my favorite games or who have designed my favorite games or whatever it might be and, and kind of pick their brains on running games too, right? So yeah, that, yeah that's that's um, a great way to learn. Uh, what shows in particular did you did you really enjoy? I'll give a shout out to The Encounter Party, which was a, a highly produced Ravnica 5e podcast. That's the one that, that immediately springs to mind. I just met you know one of their players at Big Bad Con recently in person. And it's funny because we've been talking back and forth for like two years and I just finally met him in person. Like, Oh, that's how tall you are. (laughs) That happens a bunch. I also got into, I sort of discovered the non-actual plays, passive aggressive podcast, which was great. That led into the project with Ed Greenwood now, uh, because one of the the people who was on that podcast, Ivan Potoknik, who's fantastic. You should totally interview him. He was doing that podcast and then Matt over at Roleplay Chat was, mm. you know, it's great, this podcast. Uh, so there's been some great ones. There's also like Mastering Dungeons, which is a ton of fun with uh, Teo Sabadia, Alpha yeah. Steam, and then Three Wise DMs. So I, I started getting more into the the meta podcasts. Than, yeah. than the, and then, of course, Dragon Talk with uh, Shelly and um, Greg. Yeah, Greg, Greg Tito. 
yeah, Greg and Shelly are, are a great duo. A lot of fun to to chat with them. Um, even if it's you know not on their show, if it's if it's about whatever else. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so you've you've got a history then of running a few different systems, a few different games over you know a few years as well. So this would be a great question to ask you then. What do you feel like are some of the big screw ups, you know, mess ups, problems, issues in the games that you've run in the past? And what do you think you know some good lessons are that you could pass on to the listeners? Really understanding what people want at the table is super important. You know, so before you go into it, and a little plug for for RPG match, that's really why we try to say, hey, what are you looking for? Do you want role mm-hmm. playing? Do you want combat? Do you want exploration? Do you want puzzles? You know, for me, like I'm not a big puzzle guy. So every time I get into a puzzle at the table, it's like this little mini game that I didn't sign up for, which takes hours and hours. And I'm just like, uh, can I just kill something or interact with it in some way? That I think is super important. I think mind control, that's fraud, right? <laughs> Anything that's going to... Throwing people in jail and mind control, that's like, unless you know the people that you're at the table with, that's a great way to get to a total party kill and then just have a bunch of people really frustrated with the game. So don't recommend those two things unless mm. you have some really strong uh, connections and you're like, hey, maybe taking away some of your agency, but it's going to be fun. And you got to make it fun. I know a few folks would suggest like asking if if that's something that they're interested in before you even kind of like get into that storyline. Or, you know, perhaps if you're doing some sort of performance actual play that kind of thing but again you you talk about it and say all right you know we're going to do this because it's going to ramp up the tension or it's going to cause this conflict but yeah very much uh, not fun to spring on people without them knowing uh having been thrown in jail once as a player kind of without like you know just all my stuff taken away thrown in jail carted off it's not it's not an incredibly fun experience so I try not to do that kind of thing to my point. What if it's really descriptive and you, you spend you know, half an hour describing how they're being thrown in jail? That's better, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that would have changed my mind for sure. <laughs> right, right. I'm really immersed. I uh, I hate it, but uh, the immersion is great. Yeah, maybe if you like locked me in the room in your house while we're talking about it, you know, and I can't escape, yeah. it, you know, uh, that, that could really make me feel like I'm part of the game. <laughs> But, you know, it's so funny. The game that I ran most recently, a variation of Waterdeep Dragon Heist, right? So Mm -hmm. I fell in love with Waterdeep. I've got a ton of Waterdeep maps. I obsessed. Like, I will show you my room and walk you through all of the charts that I did, the overlay of the sewers that I drew on top of this, you know, almost four foot tall map. But in any case, I kept trying to throw my players in jail. And they would get away and it drove me nuts. And so I really tried to set up the goal of immersion. And so I wrote this whole diatribe of, you know, like, okay, this is what's happened. This is how you, you know, get put into jail and they, they take your stuff. And then the idea was one of their friendly NPCs was going to come in and, and break them out. And then they, they would have a solid, you owe me on that. But the druid turned into a horse. Somebody jumped on the back of the horse and they just galloped away and, <laughs> It was, it was bananas, but I was like, uh, okay, I, I kept trying to throw them in jail, but they were always squeaking away. So I never got to to read that, that monologue. <laughs> Players are slippery, you know, they deserve especially... to be in jail, but by the way, they, you have all the different factions. It's like, Hey, do you want, um, you know, which one is it? It's like Zentrum. 
like you know, but it's gangs and it's kind of evil and yeah, yeah, Centrum. We're gonna we're gonna do gang warfare. I was like, oh, these guys need to go to jail. But they love so, these. So it wasn't just because you wanted it, yeah. No, but, no, yeah, was, they they were intended. they were total antiheroes, and I and, you know, I was like, okay, corruption and poverty and like all of these different themes, so much so. Yeah. 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 All right. What about some of your favorite moments of fun stuff that's happened uh, or memorable stuff, really, you know, immersive or emotional or or whatever it might be from games that you've run that you want to share with us? The one when I was running for for my son, there there were kind of two things. And this was like, you know, it's it's younger men. I mean, not even young men, just like boys kind of on that cusp, you know, 12 years old. And so uh, I did a couple things. One. I had an NPC that that was a, a, a paladin, it was a pretty mellow paladin, but was sort of the moral center of the group. And it was great as they sort of drifted into that murder hobo space. Like he would just be like, ah, you know, the, you know, they were disappointed, and so they really didn't want to disappoint that NPC. So that was that was it was nice to see them responding to that. In that same game, one of the players decided he wanted to be an oil tycoon. This was in Icewind Dale. James Rockefeller was, was his name and he was an oil whale tycoon and he was his, the whole March around 10 towns. I don't know if you know that game, you can kind of go town to town and he kept trying to put together this empire and he was a bard and there's an encounter where you, you encounter this giant, this verbig, and he's got like an ogre henchman and a bear. And it's, it's all set up so that, you know, you're kind of directing them towards this conflict. And everybody was ramping up. Everybody was sharpening their swords. And he steps forward and he's like, I want to try to convince him to work for me. Like out of the blue. And I'm just like, well, you can try. And he rolled his persuasion and he rolled a natural 20 and he had all the, the stacks. And, it, and so the, the, the giant was just like, I'm listening. And then he went on to describe, you know, it's like, hey, you've been sort of, you know, the town's been not so nice to you. Wouldn't it be nice if you could go in and, you know, your cave's all right, but wouldn't it be nice if it was a little bit more well-appointed and so ended up conscripting this giant and then the, the female giant who comes along later. So that was fantastic. It was totally not what I had planned, but I couldn't have asked for, for a better moment. They, they still talk about it. <laughs> yeah, the, the moments that everyone still talks about, that's how you know, you know something went right. Yeah. Uh, either because of you or despite, uh, you know, despite what you were trying to do. Um, it, I always, yeah, almost always in despite <laughs> what you were trying to do. Right. It's always fun to, to hear those kinds of things, though. All right. So in the course of all of the games that you've run, has there ever been a time where a player has just totally demolished the best laid plans you had created? And what did you do? You know, how did you think quickly on your feet to make it work and to adjust for those plans being wrecked? A hundred percent. And it's always the Druid, right? <laughs> and, and so I had this, I had this, uh, you break in, there's this excellent book by Ed Greenwood and Alex Kammer, which is Red Wizards of Day. And they've got this really cool tightly put together adventure it's it's neat it's got you know sort of these ambiguous moral choices lots of flavor in the book so i loved it and I, and I ran that there's a point where you're supposed to break somebody out of incarceration or kill them right so you have this sort of moral quandary there and so they they showed up and i had everything set up and, you know, there were guards, you know, and all these things they had to be careful of. And, you know, who knows which door they're going to open, like all of that stuff. And the druid's like, I turned into a spider. And I was like, of course you do. 
so he just he's like which oh there's the prisoner oh there's the guards okay you know just signal to everybody where to go that was one of those where i thought it was going to be a battle encounter but it wasn't you know so you just you just roll with it and uh somebody else i posted i complained on twitter and so there were some great responses i was like ah you know when the druid turns into a spider and ruins your your heist and they were like, oh, yeah, well, you should have had a bird, you know, in the in the place. So you turn it into a different encounter. So I thought that was pretty smart, but I wasn't that smart. And I, I wasn't through for a loop, right? Yeah, yeah. I think there's something to be said for letting them get wins when they pull a fast one on you. But there's also something to be said for, uh, you know, still making it challenging if you can, you know, if you can yeah. throw wrinkles at them. And <laughs> that, was, that would have been interesting um, to, you know, see this bird like pecking at a spider. And then all of a sudden this druid appears on the floor and the guards are all like, what are you doing here? Or, you know, however it would happen. Uh, you know, exactly. it can also be a lot of fun. Right. So. Do you have any homebrew rules or systems or anything like that you like to bolt on to the games that you're playing? Or do you, you know, is there an example of one that was, that was particularly fun or flavorful that you've used in the past? Oh my gosh, so many. I can't help but tinker and it kind of drives my players nuts. I have a whole varietal of Dungeons and Dragons that I call Draconian D&D. So it's fixed hit points. Everybody's kind of a forever second level and then damage reduction. So it's really interesting to see what happens, you know, because anybody can be taken out at any time, right? And so it it really does raise the stakes on on physical combat, really makes wizards incredibly powerful, right? Especially at the upper levels. It's not untenable, but I try to sort of give them those boosts in the form of like, you know, either rings of protection or, you know, magical armor or what have you. But it really does uh, change the the tenor of the game to be a lot more deadly. Yeah, all of a sudden, you know, a couple of kobolds who are using their pack tactics or whatever can become really deadly, even if you're uh, pretty strong, yeah. Makes armor worth wearing, too. As much as you could get, yeah. <laughs> then anybody with the backstab ability is just straight-up assassin. And now, a word from How Not to DM sponsors. First up, RPG Match. RPGmatch.org is a site dedicated to helping you get matched up with tabletop role-playing game players who like to play like you do. You can select games you're interested in playing, customize your preferred playstyle, and find dozens of folks to fill up your table. RPGmatch.org. Don't roll the dice on who you play with. Signing up for RPGmatch.org is 100% free. And you can head down to the show notes right now and click on a link which will allow you to add the How Not to DM badge to your profile. That way you can find other fans and listeners of the show and trust them that much more. Check it out. Also, a quick shout out to Episodify, the people who helped me produce this show. If you are looking for someone to help you edit your YouTube content, TikTok content, reels, shorts, podcasts, whatever it might be, Episodify is ready to help you out. They have packages for people who need more or less editing hours during each month. And if you buy more, then you can save more on the editing hours you buy. So if you're a content creator who needs a little extra help or you've started making some money and you're ready to take that editing burden off your lap, then check out episodify.com. Last but not least, the holidays are coming up. And if you're trying to shop for that nerd in your life or that child in your life or yourself and you can't decide what to buy them, 
they want dice. Go to adventuredice.ca. Right now they're doing pre-orders on their advent calendar dice. So they have 24 day advent calendars, 31 day advent calendars, eight day advent calendars. These are perfect for whatever winter holiday you celebrate. And each day you'll get a new pretty dice to add to your collection and they're really not too expensive either. This is one of their best selling items. They always sell out of these things. So pre-orders are happening now for shipping very soon before the holiday season. Again, that's adventuredice.ca. And if you use the code HN, the number two DM at checkout, you'll get a little discount for yourself and help support the show at the same time. So get those nerds in your life, some dice that you know they want and happy holidays. Thanks so much for listening to the words from all of those sponsors. The sponsors help keep the show running, keep the lights on. Now, let's jump into Quickfire Chaos. Welcome to Quickfire Chaos! This week on Quickfire Chaos, RPG Match and I are going to roll some D100s on some random tables from the internet to create a fun scenario to roleplay together. To start it off, what sounds more interesting to you today? City Quest or Fetch Quest? You know? Oh, definitely City Quest. Okay, I like it. If you will roll the first D100, we'll figure out what's happening in town that needs fixing or, or that needs investigating. 37. Rumors abound that the local magistrate is a devil in disguise, but in fact, they are a polymorphed dragon. Ooh, okay. Uh, all right, let's figure out what kind of character I'm bumping into in the streets here that, that needs help or, or that can give me some information. Uh, we'll start off with the job the NPC performs. 80. Clocksmith. Another one we haven't had before. That'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Next up... NPC voice, so kind of how the clocksmith's going to sound. 67. A mouthful of gravel, gruff, raspy, and deep. The party sometimes has to ask them to repeat themselves before receiving a clear response. Okay, that's that'll be fun. Okay. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, a character trait of the NPC you're going to play here. So... Um, you know how how you're gonna role play them all right 58 while we're interacting a klutz clumsy blunderer a a klutzy hard Except to understand when he's in the clocksmithing chair got those little delicate hands uh you know it's been a while since i played a goliath and i just feel like it's fun playing characters that stick out in towns because maybe it's more obvious as to why they'd be stopped or why they'd be talked to so i'm gonna be a goliath Except for usually Goliaths, you know, a lot of people like to play the Goliath Barbarian or the Goliath Fighter or whatever. I'm going to do like a Goliath Magic user type, like a Goliath Sorcerer or something. So I I will have robes and a pack, but not a lot of weapons, really. Maybe like a dagger or something. But I'll probably still look pretty confident as I'm walking around. Come on, man. Excuse me, did you say something? Yeah, uh, come on in. I oh. got a clock that you want me to work on. Okay, so he, I assume he said come on in, so I'm going to open the door and, and duck my way through the, the doorway to get into the shop. Mm-hmm. Welcome, uh, what can I do for you? 
listen, I heard that you had some... Kind of look over my shoulder to make sure no one's listening and lean in a little bit. Some information about some strange goings-on in town. and Just so happens that I'm a professional uh, strange-going-ons uh, fixer, if you know mm. what I mean. So, mm. yeah, what, what, what have you heard around town? Well, in fact, I do. Magister Glanstander was in here the other day with a, with a little pocket watch and a little gold one. Well, uh, the, the second hand wasn't wasn't quite working well, and he asked me to if I'd do some of that fixing. So, so I did. I went to like my shop and I got my tools and I hung it up right in front of him. And he said, uh, "Well, he said, uh, well, how much is gonna be?" And I said, "Well, I gotta well, see what's wrong with it first. And so I started fixing it on the watch, and, and then I. I turned around and I noticed uh, there was a tail. Did you say you saw a tail? Yeah, that's what I said. Manchester Glanstander had a tail. Was switching up under under that cloak of his. Nice, almost wearing. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> not not that this matters to me, but you know what race is is the Magister? Well, I, I, I suppose it's human, but that's what I thought before. Uh, he doesn't have no tail. Hmm. Interesting. So I'm thinking on in on that golden watch there, and I'm, yeah. I'm working on that second hand, seeing what what might be the problem. When I drop the screwdriver on the count of I'm, well, uh, sometimes uh, you know screwdrivers get a little slippery, and when 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 that happens, so. I, I, I went down on the ground and I picked up that dinner screwdriver and I looked up and I saw that, that tail and he had what you call his, his claws on his feet. And I picked it up and, and I said to myself, I said, Self, I ain't right. That's not what's supposed to be there. And then I looked back and I saw that there were some boots. But I swear more than anything other there that Golden watch sitting there that there was at one point there was some claws down there. Hmm. What you're seeing is most troubling. So, have you ever encountered uh, illusion magic before? Something that seems one way but is another, mm-hmm. and, and you can't tell until it's revealed. I suppose one time when I was a kid, I followed one of them losers of a flaming fire, but it wasn't real no flaming fire that was there for me, and I thought it was going to be burned, but it wasn't. I remember one time, one time, a long time ago, when I went to one of the games that they put on here in this here city, and I saw some of those magic users whispering things that way and that. Yeah, I suppose I know what some illusions look like. Hmm. And, and based on that experience, you seeing the claws and then not seeing them, you think it's something similar to that? I reckon. Hmm. Well, this is most troubling. There's been reports of dragon attacks all around town for the last few months or so. And if what you're telling me is true... I think we may have found the culprit is, is hiding in plain sight right here in the city. Well, that would be something awful. 
I better go tell my wife about it and get her to put the pottery away and make sure that we're ready to leave town as soon as we can. And I'll go and tell the other neighbors too that the that the Manchester Glandstanders a dragon in disguise. Now, 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 listen, friend. Uh, I might not go run in your mouth just yet. Um, perhaps let me go and uh, do a little bit more digging before we make any accusations that we can't back up. Uh, especially considering we know he's got magic up his sleeve. You know, supposing he, he does something else that uh, that that uh, makes it appear like you're lying or that that you don't know what you're talking about. I don't want to. I suppose I could sit on what I know. What's it worth to you? Oh, well, <clears throat> if the Magister is indeed a dragon, mm -hmm. dragons tend to have hordes, do they not? Mm -hmm. Tell you what, if it happens that he's not a dragon, I'll come back and I'll uh, buy one of your best watches from you. Mm. For full price. Not for me. You won't be disappointed. This beauty here's it's, uh, it's got diamonds encrusted in there, and it's, it's a beautiful piece. Oh, I hope we'll I got enough saved up. More than a thousand gold pieces, but yeah, we'll oh, talk to the end of days. I uh, do appreciate that. Well, <clears throat> I better make sure I got that much saved up. But uh, if he does happen to be a dragon and we can get rid of him and find his hoard, I'll cut you in, since you <clears throat> gave me the information. Well, but, you got yourself a dealer. I give my big old hand uh, down for a shake. I uh, go in for a shake, but I, I miss and poke you in the belly. <laughs> <laughs> well, never, never mind that. Um, all right. I'll be back uh, by tomorrow sundown, and if I'm not, then I guess you know it's time to, to get the missus and, and clear out of town. Mm. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, turn around and give him one last nod and, and head out the door. Great. I, I I look and wave and knock the clock that I was working on off the off the desk. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, myself. Uh, that'd be a fun, uh, a fun person to work with. Who's always <laughs> breaking the stuff they're trying to fix. Oh man. I realized like, right as we got into it, that I chose a gruff voice too. And so it was gruff and gruff, but uh, you know, hopefully it's not too terrible to listen to. <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. You, you, you hit the scenes and, and you, you hit the beats and whatever comes will come. All right, so we've talked a little bit about RPG Match and kind of where you got the idea and generally what it's supposed to be, but I'd love to dig deeper into that and, and figure out exactly you know, when you decided that this was going to be something you wanted to help build and what your kind of background lends to in, in making it happen and how it's been going so far. Uh, well, so RPG Match is a matchmaking service for players that actually at this point we're expanding out what we're trying to do because we're really focused on the people, right? There are services out there that focus on games and finding games. And, yeah. and really the games can change, right? The games that people want to play can change. The, the time that people can play those games change. And so 
we're really trying to start from what makes a good match, right? What creates synergy at the table? My goal initially was to, to create something. This is going to sound a little silly, but I still want to meet my TTRPG soulmates, right? I want to meet the crew that, you know, we've got everything in common and it's just this sort of magical synergy at the table. That's kind of the, the focus is how can we facilitate that sort of community? How can we focus that sort of connection? And also, I think we're at a really important time in tabletop gaming where because of Wizards of the Coast stepping on their toes so many times and, and so hard, it's actually opened up the space for people saying, hey, I want to play something different. But the blocker often comes from you might have five people that you played with and all of these four, they want to play something else. This guy just wants to play D&D 5e. So what do you do? Are you going to say, hey, Joe, go home? <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're not going to run the game anymore. No, you say, OK, well, we'll keep doing what we're doing. So the idea with RPG Match is a way that you can find other people. It takes a lot of the, you know, sort of the difficult questions off the table, so to speak. For example. How do you feel about character death? That's a big piece, even bigger than that. What do you think about safety tools? And there's no wrong answer to that question. Some people may say, hey, safety tools are incredibly important. Never do it without them. Some people might say, hey, I keep lines of communication open. Safety tools can be a, 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 an okay tool there. Some people may say, I don't know what safety tools are. And somebody else might say, I don't use safety tools, right? Don't want them. Well, so first of all, that's a big rift in terms of culture. You don't want people who think safety tools are incredibly important and shouldn't be dispensed with ever to play with somebody who says they don't use them. By saying, hey, we're asking these questions up front, you don't have to go into a Discord and just say like, hey, I'd, I'd like to, to play Fallout. Anybody want to play? You really know nothing about anybody else at the table, and it, and it leads to a lot of missed cycles, and you, you can also have some problems there. We also look at you know stylistic preferences, all sorts of things, and we're incorporating more and more of that stuff into trying and making better matches possible. And what we've discovered also is that it also creates an opportunity for us to create another nexus for community building. So one of the features we're rolling out actually in the next couple of weeks, depending on when this comes out, it may already be there, is a feed. Yeah. Imagine every time a billionaire does something stupid, we didn't have to scatter to the wind and create new communities and rebuild our entire, you know, everything on a new platform. Wouldn't that be nice? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I've never just, experienced you know, that before. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't happened like that. But then you also get to the other place and you have to find everybody and are they there and all of that. So out of the box, the feed on RPG Match is going to take verified users and it's going to take the tweets that they put in and they know, you know, there are other platforms, but it's going to start with that for all of our publisher partners. We have agreements with Paizo, we have agreements with Free League, we have agreements with Modipius, Renegade Games, Talsorian, I mean, tons of them. We also have relationships with a lot of the VTTs. We're talking at Roll20 right now, Fantasy Grounds. So all of these VTTs, automatically anything that they're putting in or Ed Greenwood, you know, some of these iconic people that are always talking about tabletop games, friendly podcasts that are tabletop focused, having the content that they're sharing into a feed, you show up day one and you've got that feed being generated for you. 
And then you'll be able to, to curate it and, you know, do other things. But we're also providing ways for people to, you know, say, hey, I love free league games, so you can unlock a badge. And those are things that we're, we're giving tools, we're giving to publishers that they are allowed to share them. We're not sharing them themselves, but you can build affinity groups. We're taking those badges. We're, we're saying, okay, well, if you like free league and you like chaosium, there's probably some affinity there. So we're looking at all sorts of dimensions to figure out how we can connect people. Yeah. And these badges show up like on people's profiles, right? So you can see, obviously, when you go look at them, hey, they like these games, these shows, these kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. It's a little yeah. little visual treasure. People see that and they're like, hey, how do I do that? So we have a number of features that that people can sort of dig in and unlock. We just actually created an integration with Start Playing Games, another partner of ours. So you can, mm. if you're a professional DM, you can use this as a front-facing marketing engine for you. It clearly indicates whether somebody's a pro or not, so you don't get into any awkward conversations about, I'm ready, but but first we have to have a conversation. You know, one of us is going to have to pay. But even so, we want to be sure that we're facilitating, and even at paid tables, wouldn't it be nice to know that you already have an affinity with that game master, not just because you're willing to pay, but that everybody at that table actually is aligned with the type of story that that they want to do. When I signed up myself, it, w- it took like a few minutes maybe to sit there and think about how I wanted to answer things to get a profile set up. And then immediately there was a huge list of people who were either closely matched to me or you know who, who matched whatever search criteria. So really easy to go in and, and find people from the get-go that you can start playing with. And I love the the tagline, don't roll the dice on who you play with. Like that's just such a clever way to convey, to communicate exactly you know the goal you're trying to achieve. Well, thank you. And what's exciting is we're we're at about 5,000 people. We're adding about 500 to 1,000. We had one week where we're, we added about 1,600 people. So we're adding about 50 people per day. So if you log in, what we're able to do actually now, because we're getting people coming in globally, is we're going to, by default, start grouping people in, say, Australia. There's 133 people in Australia or the UK. And then we're going to try to expand that so that we're doing real groupings around European countries so that it'll be easier for people to find people if they want to, to play in person. You can select the platform of a table. Right. It says a table, not a VTT, but the, you can say roll 20. You know, we're looking to build relationships really throughout the industry and it's all free. Yeah. To your earlier point, too, um, there's a lot of like discords and stuff that'll have a channel that's like find a game or looking for a game or there are Facebook groups out there or whatever, yeah. but it's very decentralized as of now. And you kind of just have to wander around until you can find one. That is, yeah, is, what do you know, you know about it? Like, I, yeah. literally, I, I asked Modiphius and I said, hey, I'd love to play the Fallout RPG game. I love the uh, video game. So I've been playing that for, for a while. And I was like, I'd love to do this TTRPG, you know, but I don't know how to do it. I don't want to really hunt through and try and figure out. I want to I want to play with somebody that actually already has some affinity with the game. And they said, well, hop on the Discord. And I was just like, I was looking at this Discord and it's like, do I just say like, I would like to play this game and it's just some random person that may not have anything in common with how I want to play the game, you know, and they're super into puzzles and they, you know, it's all about combat and there's no role playing and, you know, whatever that that case might be. But, you know, fortunately, Modiphius is now a partner. We just announced that. So there's a best friend there. And so hopefully 
before all of our partners will be able to start integrating. Yes, you can still go through the Discord, but the finding a channel, wouldn't it be nice if you could go straight in? And you can actually go straight in. There are actually already URLs, but we're going to have custom URLs where you can go in and go to RPG match slash games slash Fallout. And you have a list by default of everybody who wants to play that game. Nice. Nice. So it's easy to just filter it down immediately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how has your vision of what RPG match is going to be changed from when you initially had the idea and started building it to now? I know you mentioned, you know, adding the feed and adding these partners, but yeah, anything else that that's uh, worth mentioning? You know, I think really the, the, the place where I was originally thinking was it would be about games and scheduling. And while that is something that we want to put in place, and that is something that people are asking for, what we've done is we've, we've set it up so that it is kind of a, here are the people, right? And what that has evolved into is like having a profile on RPG Match, I really want to shift and expand so that people know that it's not just like, hey, I'm looking for a game or I'm looking for somebody to play with. This is a from the ground up place where you can express what you're into, who you are as a, as a role player in a way that I think will be actually meaningful. Imagine if Twitter X actually, instead of just having a bio, it had all of this information about like, hey, these are the games I like to play. There's no place on the internet at all for somebody to do this. You kind of do have that for start playing games if you're a paid pro GM. Well, let's say I don't want to go pro or I'm a player. How do I express this thing, this hobby that I invest hours and hours of my life into? And I'm super proud of it. And I have these affinities with brands where I want to learn more about it. You know, one of the things coming into this space and really sort of like finding out all of these things is like, it takes months, if not years to actually dig through and kind of get away from you know, Wizards of the Coast, what you can buy, you know, off the shelf. And yeah, you might find a, a Chaosium book here or there, but like, I had no idea that Renegade was the new publisher of the World of Darkness books until I knew it. I didn't know who the publisher of Cyberpunk Red was, Salsorian, but I didn't know that before, right? I didn't know Modiphius was the publisher of the Fallout game. And so there's, there's this huge world where if you're in it, you actually do figure all these things out. But I want to create a, a, a portal, a gateway where people are in there, you know, publishers are in there, VTTs are in there. And I think it's really a synergistic effort where it's not like people play one game, so they won't play another. It's people play one game and that opens up, you know, sort of a steady stream of like, oh, and I could play this one too. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to meet some folks on there and, and try out some new games myself. Uh, I have a, a huge cardboard box next to me having moved my office recently of all these books of games that I haven't gotten to play yet. But, you know, and like you said, like, you know, my home group, it's just easier to stick with what we know, you know, people prefer that. And so, yeah, to, to branch out, I got to go somewhere else. So where do I go? What I want to do while still maintaining and allowing that, that kind of connection for games, it's like, you can also just meet people. It's a place where you can meet people where you've got this in common. You don't necessarily have to be setting up a game. And I think when we add the feed, I want to make people feel like they can sign up. We're going to allow people to go through the interview process saying, I'm not looking for a game right now, um, but they can still essentially say, these are the things that I'm interested in. With any app, you've got issues with people joining who are 
you know, intending to cause harm or spam or troll or anything like that. How uh, have you been combating those kinds of users and, you know, you know, what kind of safety and security stuff is in place? So it boils down to we allow people to be blocked, right? So that same functionality exists. So if somebody is being a troll, you block them. That was right from the get-go, one of the pieces of functionality that we wanted to integrate. So the other thing is we're trying to make sure that all of this information is, is anonymized, but also it's validated, right? So you do have to have a valid email. You have to validate that email from that code. And so, yes, somebody could set up you know, additional emails, but it's, it's not an easy process, right? You kind of have to be invested in it. It would be yes. a difficult process to actually have a bot go through and, and do. I think at this point, because of the amount of investment versus you know, the, the return on investment for a troll, we don't have currently one of the reasons we haven't allowed, you know, free form text boxes. Somebody to show up, they can't even link back to, you know, the Viagra website that they're looking to promote, right? This is that's not a question. We don't say like, how much do you want Viagra at your table? Right. right. <laughs> so that's we we are moving step by step and allowing people to you know personalize things. One of the things we're going to be doing is unlocking features based on publisher affinity. So if you have a free league badge, we're going to be allowing people to get into a whole catalog of their licensed avatars, right? So we have this, you know, habit on, you know, Twitter of uploading these images. Well, they're not licensed, but right. in the case where you unlock it with this badge or you, you want a custom banner that expresses how much you like Dragon Bane, you'll be able to pick that and you're going to see those when you go in. And you say, oh, I haven't unlocked this. So it's a, it, there's a whole quest. If you really want to unlock badges, I think at this point we're up to well over a dozen. If you look at my profile, it's just like we have a, a ton of friendly podcasts and VTTs and publishers. And so I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Getting back to your question, you know, really the, the philosophy behind this is safety first, right? Privacy second. And everybody deserves to play the game they want to. Uh, we will be looking at bad actors, bad actors being defined by people who are being blocked multiple times and looking at, you know, do we want to throttle the, their ability to send messages, that sort of thing. But so far, the investment of creating an RPG match user, while it's, you know, it's a couple minutes to your point, that's okay. a lot for, you know, a, a troll to go in to have no payoff on the other side. Yeah, and looking through the site, I've I found that same um, you know safety first thing, and and I definitely appreciate the the focus on that. Given you know, I don't know, just it's the, it's the internet, so you never know who's going to be where trying to do what. So uh, well, yeah. and one of the things we're really trying to do with Match Score is really create the space for people to have the game that they want to play. And we just introduced identity tags, and those identities are are you Asian? Are you a person of color or are you an artist? Are you a writer? Are you, mm. you know, so there's a, a whole bunch of things that you can pick from there and that will adjust sort of what we're going to put in front of people. And we also are doing a little bit of measuring. The formula is actually pretty complex and we're actually looking at some additional things in terms of the starring functionality. So we're going to be looking at, okay, we think this is where people should be matched, but who's starring who? Do we have a mutual star going on uh, both sides? Is there a message exchange? Can we look at that message exchange discreetly with machine learning to say, is it positive? Is it negative without actually looking at the message to say, because a message exchange 
a prolonged message exchange could be really good or it could be really bad, right? Right. But trying to take some of those cues of how the website is actually being used to say, okay, we, we thought this was going to be a good match, but it really wasn't. But we are allowing, say, women, for example, they should they should see more women in their feed. They should allow them to, to connect with people. You know, if people don't associate with a particular gender or, or their gender queer or whatever, we want those people to feel comfortable and safe. And we want people for whom maybe that's not a focus at their table to not get swept up in that as well, because everybody deserves the game the, the way they want to play. And frankly, everybody's going to play the game they want. What really is problematic is when you have this collision that is augmented by the algorithms instead of diminished, right? It's like a fight at lunch and everybody's standing around going fight, fight. And really, we have so much more in common than normal people, right? We're, we're all obsessed <laughs> with this hobby. And so it's like, I think that and celebrating the commonality, that's actually one of the things I'm really excited about. I think more than somebody being a person of color, wouldn't it be exciting to say you have the exact stylistic preferences across gender, across race, across wherever. And so we need a good cross-section to get there and we need to be careful about how we're going about it. But I'm mm. actually really, really excited to say like, ultimately stylistic preferences and game preference, that's really kind of the exciting thing. Safety tools is a big one. You know, I don't think we're ever going to get those people to agree but I think that I'm really excited to see what we can do to actually bring our community together rather than highlighting and, and you know, showcasing its divisions. You're right that most modern social medias definitely feed off that. Um, and and it, it just breeds more negativity in the world that we don't need. So uh, I, can, I can definitely appreciate that. So um, goals for the future that you have for RPG Match, you know, I'm sure you have goals, but you know, what are, what are some of the goals you're working toward currently that, that you can share with us? Well, we're on track to hit 10,000 users by the end of the year, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. By the end of next year, I want to get to 100,000. And then the year after that, I'd like to get to a million. So no small feat. We'll also have a, a mobile app that will probably be coming out next year. People have asked, we'll probably go with Android first. So that will be, I think, a really uh, important piece if we are going to displace the current TTRPG social platform. But yeah, I'm really hoping that this can be a method for communicating and for sharing out and for, for actually finding out what's happening in the tabletop industry without having to recreate all of this stuff ourselves. Good goals and uh, lofty goals, but you know, you got to have lofty goals in order to, to stretch yourself. So I'm excited to, to see where things go. So I'd love to know, um, to wrap things up here, what your um, advice is to people out there who are running games. And then also you're in a unique spot as far as like developing a specific app or site. Um, but maybe, maybe what advice you've got for people who are looking for and, and trying to find the right fit for people to play with. Um, well, of course, go on RPG Match and, and, and look for people that way. But um, yeah. I think one of the things that, that I think is really interesting, and this is about RPG Match, but it, it also has to do with what somebody came through and they said after filling out the survey, is they wrote to me, and I'm sure other people have had this experience, but they said, I didn't know that's what I liked, right? N nobody had, had ever said, 
hey, what are your stylistic preferences? And what, how do you feel about these things? What do you think about character death? A really interesting one is <laughs> how late is late? Because when I started on, on Twitter, I said, you know, who thinks it's important to show up on time to a tabletop game? And 90% of people said yes. And I was like, hmm, I've been to too many games to think that that's right. And so I said, how late is late? And then it was like five minutes, 15 minutes, you know, half hour, hour. That's where you saw. Everybody was like, well, you're not late until you're an hour late. I think uh, finding out and thinking about one, once you've been in the hobby for a while, find out what you like. I think that there's some opportunity to find games that that help elevate some of those things. That's interesting. And I would say also, don't be afraid to stretch out and, and to look at some of those other games. Listen to, to actual plays of games that you haven't played, right? So you can find out a little bit more about them. And then, you know, of course, you can always have a, a side game, right? You can, you can have your primary game at Saying yes to a new game doesn't mean saying no to the game that you already have. Unless you're you're super time constrained, you can sometimes carve those things out. So I say branch out, try something new. There's some incredible games. Even just buy a game and read it. Evil Hat, Blades of the Dark, they have some really interesting mechanisms. So listen to podcasts if you don't have a, a chance to play another game. Buy the books, read them. You know, I have some by my bedside table and I just kind of read them and I know I'm not necessarily going to play, but I enjoy it anyway. So I'd say um, branching out. That's my big thing. I love it. I love it. And as someone who listens to a lot of actual plays, it's so much fun to see how all of these different games work and, and you know, just uh, imagine the possibilities that, that can be found uh, with tabletop games. And uh, yeah, that, that only happens when you continue to broaden your horizons. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I know, um, you know, it's in the middle of your work day and mine, uh, but we're, we're making it work. And uh, so I appreciate you taking the time and sharing with us um, the origin of RPG Match and the quest to solve the problem about finding people to play with. It's my, my ever side quest, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a pleasure being here. Like I said, you know, I've, I've listened to the podcast for a while and um, I never imagined when I was listening to the podcast that someday I would be on here. So to all of the listeners, someday you too may find yourself on this podcast giving advice on how not to DM. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to How Not to DM. And now for a sneak peek into next week's guest, Eric Silver, the DM of Join the Party. You should think about running a game like playing a card game where you have a hand, right? Whether you're playing poker or Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh! Where you're, you have a hand of cards. And you can play those cards in any order. Those are your notes. But no one else knows what cards you have until you play them. So if you need to move something around or you got to do something in some, in some order or you got to put an NPC who was in the beginning and put them at the end, or if they die, if one of the NPCs dies and it doesn't make any sense, well, throw the card away. <laughs> they don't know. They don't need to know what's in your hand until you play them. To hear more of Eric's sage advice about his podcasting business, Multitude, and more, tune in next week. If you enjoyed the show and want to support me, there are tons of easy ways like tipping me a few dollars on Kofi or PayPal or by buying things for your own games from my affiliate links. Again, those are located in my link tree. I've got links for dice, minis, tabletop gaming accessories, published content, and even geeky apparel. 
Last of all, I'm proud to support Diversity Saves, a tabletop role-playing game charity which donates money to diverse up-and-coming creators working on their very first projects. It's a great cause, and I'm really excited to see what awesome stuff people will create. My intro and outro music is by Daniel Zombo. The Quickfire Chaos theme is by Exacat, and the Quickfire Chaos mood music is by my friend Arcane Anthems. And until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me. <laughs>